Amen. So, Father, we thank You, Lord, for this day, and we thank You for the Holy Spirit, that He is the real Teacher, and we yield to Him right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would unveil and reveal the things that belong to God, that He has authored to give us more understanding, more insight into who He is and who we are. And we ask that these things be done tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're talking about problems in the last day from the outside world. Chapter 2 is talking to uh, Timothy about problems within, uh, within the church. So chapter 3 is uh, characteristics of the last day society. And we're going to do a verse by verse, word for word, teaching on this from, from verse 1 through verse 8 and verse 13. So next Wednesday we're going to pick up and in verse uh, 9. And because what it is tonight, we're showing you the the characteristics of the end time condition of the world and the society. And then the rest of the chapter is dealing on how to survive those times. Because And this is all before the rapture takes place that he's talking about tonight. Some of this, of course, is included in the seven-year period of tribulation. But primarily, this is to those of us that are going to experience these things in the last day society. Chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Pastor, could I ask a question, please? Yes. Yes, go ahead. We're taping. Um, well, that's right. We weren't supposed to do it till the end. Right. Can you save it till the end? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. No problem, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, never able to come to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. And then skip down to verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So go back to verse 1 and we'll start there on this word for word 
uh, expose, uh, an analogy of what exactly Paul is talking to young Timothy about. Now, he says here, this know also. And this word uh, is, of course, he says, you come to grip with these facts also, Timothy. He had talked to him in the second chapter about the problems he was dealing with in the church. He encouraged them over in verse 3 of the second chapter to be a, a endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, uh, be in good shape mentally, uh, and, and, uh, and, and you know to really be strong in the Lord. So then he says, This know also these problems outside the church, that in the last days, and that is the Greek word eschatos, which means actually here, the last of the last days. He says, he says that perilous times shall come. And the word perilous here is the Greek word chekeblos, which means te- treacherous and very harmful. Uh, the very last day, the perilous times, treacherous, hurtful, grievous times are, is going to be uh, are, is going to happen here. And then he says that that the word times. You ever wondered what that meant? What times is he talking about? He's talking about specific blocks of time. In other words, we can put it this way to help us better understand exactly what he's talking about. Uh, many of you here can remember very well in the 1950s, and that was the emergence of rock and roll. We remember that decade for that reason. And so then we remember the 60s and what that brought. It was an enhancement of the 50s. And then the 70s came, which is when I was primarily a teenager, and I happen to think they were the best musical uh, decade of all. <laughs> uh, but uh, Teru thinks that the 80s were. But nevertheless, we look at these blocks of times uh, that, that as decades. The dec- each decade uh, submits its own thing. And, he's, and that's what he's saying. Each one will build on the next. Each problem. I mean, the 60s was, most, was probably the most provocative uh, of, of all the decades. And now we're all the way up into the second decade uh, of the 2000s. And you can see it compounded so much. And these things that I'm listing here, there's 36 things that he's listing that every single one of them are taking place right now. I mean, when I first got into this, this was back, I preached this message in 1989. And, you know, we thought that Jesus was about to come just any moment because of the seriousness of the times. And see, and I remember emphasizing that. But I only had from the 50s, you know, to, to the, the end of the 80s there to compare. But now, I mean, I have such blocks of time to look at and see the progression of the seriousness of these times. And that's what we're faced with. And that's why it's so important that we build our relationship with Jesus and become very strong, uh, much more than what uh, Timothy was being told here in the second chapter. I mean, my Lord, there's things that we're facing that we thought not even possible. Uh, uh, back, I remember in 1973 when David Wilkerson wrote his book called The Vision. And I remember reading that. I mean, that everybody was reading that book. A lot of people, denominational people, were very critical of it and saying that's ridiculous. And that as I read that book, I said, there's no way that pornography is going to be piped into each home. 
They just won't permit that. But now, I mean, it, it wasn't four or five years until that actually happened. See? In, 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 you know, in motel rooms and everything. He said things about how women would be dressed. And we thought, there's no way. He, you know, in, in fact, you could get that book and read it and it would be just like it was of t- for today. Uh, everything that David Wilkerson said in that book has come to pass. And it was incredible because the man was ridiculed and still are among some. Uh, he's dead and gone now though, but, uh, but, but he was a man of God and he heard from God and he was warning us. You know, and we, and I remember even then, you know, I thought, there's just no way. I mean, I, I was in my uh, early 20s and, and I, just, I just didn't see it possible, you know. But now it's so far gone beyond that, it's, it's, it's hard to even imagine uh, how people are today. So he says, This know also that in the last of the last days, perilous, very hurtful, very uh, 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 mean and nasty times is going to come. And he said, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, for the word for, I told you this is a word by word, by word uh, analysis. The word for here means... I'm explaining to you now, Timothy, this is why these times are coming. Because, you could even take that word for and put the word because there. We don't have papers this week. I didn't have a copy machine. So, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, For men shall be lovers of their own self. That, this, these are beginning to list the reasons why that these perilous times have come. And so he, he says, uh, men shall be It's the Greek word Amy, which is E-M-I. And this word E-M-I can be better translated, I am. He said men shall shall be lovers of themselves. They shall be. Uh, Self-worship. This sets the stage for the following characteristics. This is the reason. This is the bottom uh, foundation for why the end times is going to be so bad. Is that men, and that is mankind, shall be lovers of themselves. And which uh, lovers of self is philautos. Autos means individual. Phila means, is philo, which is a word for, for love or friendship type of love. In other words, they're going to be uh, an in, have an inordinate affection for self. And I don't know about you. I mean, you guys, some have been here a lot longer than I have. And it seems to me that I've never seen a time when people were so selfish, so self-centered, and lovers of their own self uh, than, than right now. I mean, it's, it's entirely ridiculous. I mean, we're living in a time when people in, uh, in these large cities will walk right by someone on the sidewalk that is destitute, and some of them even dead, and they won't even care. They just, they're selfish. People are selfish. Men are lovers of themselves. And then he says... Uh, that th- th- this word philo- philotos was basically f- was used. Philos was basically used always for somebody else because it's it's friendship. But but they took this word and put the word autos in at the end of it, which means lover of self, and that's totally against the word of God. And then he said that men shall be lovers of themselves. Covetous, covetous is philargos. It's the same word philo we, was just, we were just talking about, but it has put the, 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 the argus on the, on the end of it there, which basically is a love of materialism, 
a love of it's a perverted word. It, it it's a lover of materialism. People are so into uh, you know living in excess and and whatever feels good and and everything that uh, that they can imagine themselves to be to feel good about or to get involved in. That's what they want. That's what they crave. And then it says something interesting. He said there would be boasters. The boasters means to exaggerate to the point of the extent of lying. You know, one of the things that Paul said to us in the Ephesians uh, book was to, to put away lying. Lying is a major tool that our enemy uses to exempt us from the blessings of God. And in these days in which we live, that spirit has ascended to the point where it's crept into the church and people lie at the drop of a hat just to make themselves look good. I did this and I did that. Uh, or, or, you know, look at me. You know, all these kind of things. That's where the spirit of lying springs forth from. And it's infected some of the church people now, see. But, but it's coming from the world. And then, the, you know, he says the next word here that he uses is that people will be proud. This is a word meaning superiority or haughty. They have a haughty spirit, top dog spirit. You know, I'm better than you. You know, and I, I deserve this. And, you know, and always putting people down. I'm reminded of the wonderful parable that Jesus gave about self-exaltation. And he said that everyone that exalts himself shall be abased shall be humbled, shall be made low. But he that submits to him in humility and allows God to exalt him. See, so humility, exaltation comes from humility. That's the springboard from which God promotes. So if we're not willing to be clothed in humility, then God can't use us. But guess who can? When we get into pride and arrogance and all these things. So, there's people will be living in excess, they'll be boasting, they'll be lying, they'll be proud. And then he said there will be blasphemers. And this word blasphemer means to be abusive and have abusive, harsh language. And there again, we can go back to the book I was just referring to about the movies that we see on TV and how the language is just horrible. I mean, they, sing th they say things now on regular TV that back when David Wilkerson wrote the book, there was no way they would have allowed that. The rankest sinner in Hollywood would not allow it, see. But now it's just commonplace. So I'm, I'm telling you, this is a sign of the times. It's happening right now. So then the next thing, and he says that they will be disobedient to parents, Disobedience to parents. It's apathos. Apath Anytime you see an A on the, on the beginning of a Greek word, it's a negative. Pathos, is, it means to obey. But apathos means to disobey. And it says that there will be a movement where the children will be dis uh, disobedient, unpersuadable, they will be uncontrollable, and parents can't do anything about it. I know parents now that pray that their children leave. I know them personally. They need to just run away to get out off of their hands, see, because they won't take care of them, see. And so it's, they're just feeding right into the signs of the time here. Church, we have, we have a great responsibility. We have a lot of prayer to do. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And they can't, you know, if they're not, if they're not born again, 
uh, and especially spirit-filled, they have no defense for these forces that have come up on the world at this point in time. They have no defense. And so it's up to you and I to get on our face before God. And the Holy Spirit will lead us to pray for people. I remember when I asked the Lord why that He didn't spare uh, that little, that little uh, Adam Walsh's life. Uh, in, in that canal in Fort Lauderdale in the back, I don't know, it was 1983, 82 or something like that. And I was really aggravated at God because He, I, he rescued me. You remember the story. And I asked Him, I said, why didn't you rescue Him? And after a big long story of how He answered this, this is what He said. He said, I couldn't find anybody that was willing to pray for Him. Wow. Yes. So I wonder... You know, any time that I'm prompted within my spirit to pray, I mean, my flesh never wants to pray, but then my mind goes back to that, and there might be someone that the Lord is wanting me to intercede for. I don't have to know their name. I don't have to know the English prayer to pray for them. I can shift over in tongues, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, can pray for that individual through me, through my vessel. So we have a great responsibility here. These people that we're talking about here live around us. That's listed in this chapter. They live all around us. So don't be irritated and, 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 and have mercy and compassion and, and get on your face before the Lord. Ask the Lord to give you intercession for people. Uh, and if it's Christians that need the prayer, He'll move you into supplication. Uh, intercession is primarily for sinners, but supplication is for one another. And there's all of us have issues in our lives, every single one of us, and we, we need to pray for one another. Amen? So, disobedient to parents. Unthankful. The Greek word is charistos. Charistos is a word that, ironically enough, comes from the word charis, grace, to be thankful. So it's got the word a on the front of it, so that means unthankful. And that means that they're ceasing to give thanks from the beginning. They're ceasing to give thanks and, 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 and beginning to, to, you know, just expect. You know what I mean by that? They're get, be, people are beginning to say, I deserve that. You know, I, I deserve... And we find that now our government is faced with that. Of course, our government's full of people that believe that. But they believe that it is a, that it is a governmental right to pay for your health care. That, that you have a right to health care. Well, listen, the right that you have is the shed blood of Jesus. And that blood will heal you of your disease. We shouldn't be looking to the government for any kind of assistance that way. Some of us have to. I understand that. But see, don't have the attitude that it's your right. I'm thankful that my taxes go to help people that can't afford to take care of themselves. I'm thankful for that, you see. But we don't need to have the mentality of, of uh, that you know, we're entitled. There's people that's been involved in my life that have an, in, uh, an in, uh, entitlement attitude or that they, they think that everything, everybody owes them. You know, I, I, I am, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, people are out on the streets with nothing that have that kind of an attitude. So that's what he's talking about here. Unthankful. And then the next thing he says here, he says that they're unholy. Unholy. Anoisos. This means to be morally lewd and nasty. 
It's kind of interesting to me that unthankfulness, an attitude of unthankfulness, always results in a lewd lifestyle. It, it genders that when you become unthankful. Uh, let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 1, and we can see there exactly a bird's eye view of this. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Now he says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. In other words, their foolish heart was darkened. darkened. They, they didn't have any insight into the things of God. They professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. Uh, uh, the, the, in other words, they looked. When it said they professed themselves to be wise, they looked to themselves for their own answer. This was the condition of these people. And I want you to notice here, this is a past tense scripture. What verse is that? Romans chapter 1 verse 21. So professing, this is verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed, a better word would be exchanged, the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. They changed the, they changed the image of an uncorruptible God into these images. Now, this is a list in reverse of the history of mankind. Mankind began uh, with worshiping reptiles and insects. Then they moved up to four-footed beasts. That's like cows. People, you know, things like that. And then to the fowls of the air, the birds. They worshiped that. And then finally, to corruptible man. So that those four that's four criteria of the history of mankind and what man did uh, when, they, when they left God. Now, I don't know if you understand it or not, but this worship of man is what gave way to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is what gave destruction to the world before Noah. This kind of worship, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. They said, so in verse 24... Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, unholiness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now look at this. Who changed the truth of God into the lie. In other words, they found a better bargain. They thought they found a better way. Mankind has always been deceived that way, to think that his way. The Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the way thereof is the way of death. And that's what, it, when natural man tries to meet his own need and save his own soul, that's exactly what he reverts to. He gets to the place where he says, well, I've found it now. And then it says, and, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. He, and amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. I want you to notice this. I, I, overread, I read over this for years. 
I, I would just, I read that, and I'd read that, and I'd read that, and finally one day it dawned on me, God gave them what they wanted. Just like He did the children of Israel. God never wanted them to have a king. He wanted to be their ruler. But they insisted. God gave them a king. And I mean, you just read the story of what happened. So it says, For this, God, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one to another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So we have that there as, a, as an example and an illustration. And I'm sure that these men knew what Paul was talking about when he was telling them these things. They referred, they knew the Old Testament inside and out. They knew what, what he was talking about when he was talking to the Romans and when he was talking to Timothy. He knew these things. So they were without natural affection in verse 3 of, of 2 Timothy 3. Without natural affection, truce breakers... False accusers, incontinent, fierce, and despisers of those that are good. Without natural affection is the Greek word estorgos. Now, storge is the Greek word for one of the words we translate love in the, in the Word of God. Storge is a family type love. It's, a, it's, it's an affection that we have with family. That's the kind it is. Well, this word, when you put a primitive on the beginning of that word, estorgos... That meant that they were without family affection. We see that in, in blunt detail today where people are not loyal to their own, their, to their own flesh and blood anymore. See, And that's, what's, that's what the world is experiencing. They're without natural affection. I mean, we no longer have to say, how can you do that? How can you be that way? They're your own flesh and blood. The way they can is because of these spirits that's gotten into the world. And that's, that's, they exhibit that. So... We're without natural affection. And then there, they says that there's truce breakers, meaning that they, they will not keep contract, they will not hold to their word. See, they, they, they will not hold to their word and to their vows that they made. False accusers. The word false accusers here is the Greek word diabolos. Does any of you remember what I said that was? Diabolos? Yes. It's the word for devil. So he says, they were false accusers, diabolos. This word literally means to slander. It means to throw a deceptive, slanderous, tearing down word to you. It's, it also describes people who will go to court and continue to argue and wrangle and complain and stand against you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.11 that we are to stand against the wiles of the devil. These false accusers that will come against us, we need to stand against them, see. And then it says that they're incontinent. It's ekrotes, which means out of control. They cannot say no. We have people that get into debt with credit cards because they can't say no. We have people that, that give in to all kinds of things in the world today because they can't say no. I remember when, uh, who was it, George Bush uh, Sr., I think, came out with the slogan, Just Say No. And everybody ridiculed him. But I'm telling you, people need to just say no. These spirits can get away if we'll resist them. Didn't Paul teach us to resist the devil and he will flee? Resist. 
Somebody asks you if you're getting a cold, you say, no, I'm resisting one. Amen? So, incontinent, fierce, nemoros, that means untamable. They'll become despisers of good. Philagathos means no law, no justice. There's no good out there. People don't want what, what is good. I mean, and it seems, you know, this spirit of lawlessness is, is on the rampage in our nation today. Lawless. People are allowing people to come into our border by the thousands from the southern border, but you can't get through a line at the airport without almost stripping down naked. But they, at the, at the border, oh, just come on in. And they turn them loose. That's real dumb around the edges, I think, don't you? That's that spirit. Despisers of good. It seems that as they are despised of good, uh, you know, they, they, anything, anytime any politician brings up something that is good, they immediately put it down. It's that spirit. Verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Traitors is the word prodotes. It means to betray an oath in the midst of harmful times. It's a time when we have situational ethics. You know what situ situational... Remember back in the 70's I think is when they really started on TV with situational comedies which portrayed situational ethics. And I mean right away I could realize I mean I watched some of them and stuff but you could just tell you know that, that's just not reality. I mean the Brady Bunch was not reality. It just doesn't happen that way. Sometimes the old man has to bend you over his knee and wear your hind end out. Well, that didn't happen on the Brady Bunch, see. And, and I'm telling you, society has been programmed primarily from the television to not give in to the good, to, to go ahead and, and be traitor, traitorous, to give in to the situational ethics. Well, I mean, look at Bill Cosby. My God, he was one of the kings of situational ethic comedy. And look what happened to him. You know he didn't live that out, see? That's right. That's right. Then it says that they'll be heady. Propetes means to make quick decisions in order to make it better on yourself. Quick to agree. Now, I came face to face with this in Central America. I found out, in fact, I talked to the other people from the other nations uh, in, uh, in Nicaragua, in uh, Costa Rica, and Guatemala. Every one of them said, you can't trust a Mexican. They'll lie at the drop of a hat just so that they can get by with what they're faced with, see. Just, they'll just lie. Now, I'm not up here, you know, inviting criticism on myself about saying that. That's just what they told me, and I faced that. I've seen that in those people. You know, you ask them a question, whatever they think you wanted to hear, that's what they would say, you see. And so that's exactly what it means to be heady. To make quick decisions. Quick to agree. Qu <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this. Quick to get a credit card. <laughs> heady. The next word is high-minded. It's the Greek word tufo. I thought it was very interesting that the Holy Spirit used that word, tufo. It means to be shrouded in smoke. You say, well, what does that mean? It's literally talking about, now listen, an unrealistic image of yourself. Tufo. 
I thought it was also interesting that the root word tufo here also gives us the word in the Greek language for the word typhoon, which is a big wind. You ever seen people that all they were was just a big wind? Shrouded in smoke. They have an unrealistic view of themselves. They can't see clearly. You know, I, I've often said to myself and said to my wife, I, I wish I could just meet myself to see how I really am, you know, because you, you don't really know. I mean, I see myself on camera sometimes and I think, why do people sit there and watch me? You know, so maybe that's an unrealistic view. I don't know. But anyway. Now, are you describing haughty? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> High-minded. Twofold. And then he said, verse 4, lovers of pleasure, and the Greek, I mean the Hebrew, the Hebrew, the King James says more than, but in the Greek it says rather than. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's, it, this is talking about hedonism. It, it's philodonous, hedonistic. The doctrine that if it makes you feel good or if it makes you happy, go ahead and do it. Now, here's a, here's a thing that a lot of us in the church world fall into a lot. And I've heard lots of preachers say this. Unfortunately, I've heard it on television, which means thousands of people heard it. But have you ever heard anybody say, well, you know, you just got to follow your heart. You better not, unless your heart is fixed. Unless your heart is established in the Word of God, you better not follow your heart. The Bible talks in Proverbs a lot about a crooked heart. Having a crooked heart. So if your belief system that I talked about Sunday is not fixed in the Word of God and not based on His foundation, then the, fa then the belief system you have in your heart is unreliable. So don't follow your heart. Stay on your face before God and let Him heal your heart. Let Him give you a new heart. Let Him establish your heart in His Word and you won't be let, let off uh, in this kind of uh, problem anymore. So, if it makes you happy, do it. That was one of their key marks. Don't you see that out there today? Well, I felt good. I actually heard a, heard a, a testimony where this guy was testifying at his trial after he had killed uh, a family down in South Georgia, big old overgrown guy, Killed the all-day family. I don't know if anybody ever remembers that, but it, years ago, I mean, it was a huge deal. Killed the whole, went in and killed the whole family. And nobody could figure out why. So, in his testimony, they asked him, Mr. So-and-so, why did you kill all the family? Honest to God, he said, they was home. I mean, that's just, that's so stupid, it's hard to think about. They was home. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, having a form of godliness. Verse 5. Having a form of godliness. Are you still on 2 Timothy? Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. I need to get you a King James Version so you can follow me. <laughs> I'm just teasing with you. Just teasing with you. Having a form of godliness. How many in here has ever heard that what this meant was when it was talking about the people that didn't believe in tongues and the power of God? That's what I always had believed. 
until I got in the Word and found out what it meant. Having a form of godliness, you know, well, you know, they go over to that church that has a form of godliness. They don't have any power. They deny it. And, you know, I mean, I can understand why people would uh, arrive at that uh, conclusion, but that's not what this talking about here. He says, having a form of God. It's the Greek word morphosis. It's literally a transformation, an outward shape, but no substance within. In other words, people will talk a good game. They'll talk a good, uh, you know, speech and say all the right things and act like they're on top of the world. But, but in reality, they're not. They have a form of godliness, but it says they're denying the power. This, as I said, this is not dead religion he's talking about, but it's something, something much more powerful than that. Denying is aroneomai, which means to, to refuse to let, to refuse or let or acknowledge the power of God. To refuse to allow it to work. Now these people that he's talking about here have changed their name. Back when I, when I preached this back in 89, 88-89, uh, I, I used this term. In fact, I've got it on my, my note here, my secretary typed up. N-A-M. And it was, a, it was an acronym for a New Age Movement. And so that's what we thought. But now they've changed their name. It's called the progressives now. The progressives. And they are the ones that are for all of these religions becoming one. They are the ones that is the New Agers, the progressive. They say, they say, we are the Antichrists. Because we believe in one God. They say... And in fact, in, in right before the rapture, there's going to be a lot of persecution for the religious groups that do believe in one God. Now, Islam believes in one God. So they're going to receive some of that too. But we believe in one God. We don't believe in a plurality of gods. There is one God, one God only, and He's not Allah. He's the great God Jehovah, <laughs> among other names. Amen. <laughs> but but uh, these are the New Agers or, or the progressives. Now, these people believe that there's two and a half billion people that have to be purified, which is the word they mean for exterminated. They have to eliminate us so that they can gain their uh, you know, advantage and establish their agenda. They literally believe, that this is not just something they're wanting to believe, they really believe that something is going to happen to rid everyone of bad karma. Things that you know you, just, you got deserved coming to you. They really believe that's going to happen. They used, back when I pre first preached this, they, they said it was uh, 2004 up to 2007 when that was going to happen. Well, that didn't happen. And I think it's because God's people's been praying and seeking Him. Amen? Amen. So he says that uh, the next phrase here in verse 5. He says, from such, turn away. From such, turn away. That means to a trefo. Uh, we use the word trefo like if you were going to run, if you are going to trek somewhere. That's where that, that root word comes from. You're going to run off. Uh, but trefo, apotrepo, means to avoid with terror. Run as if in terror away from these kinds of people. Don't fellowship with them. I'm telling you, who you fellowship with 
determines what kind of victory you walk in. It's not that you're trying to be standoffish. It's not that you're trying to be, you know, just arrogant and by yourself. It's that you can't afford to fellowship with some people. Now, I'm, I'm really praying about finishing the message on Jesus and the Pharisees this coming Sunday, uh, if the Lord will let me, because one of the points in that message, I was just reading over it today, uh, is that Jesus ate with sinners and publicans. So I'm not talking about isolating yourself as a monk to keep yourself away from humanity. Because I'm telling you, I want to get us strong enough to where we can go out as an, as an aggressive uh, force for the kingdom of God and, and bring change in people's lives. But as far as playing with them, as far as being with them in fellowship style, there's churches now that host beer parties for the men's group. I mean, my God, I realize that you're not going to go, hell, go to hell for drinking a beer. I, you know, I've got enough sense to realize that. But listen, there's too many people in our society that have destroyed their lives and their families' lives with alcohol, and we don't need to foster that at church. We don't need to have a beer party. Amen. There's some people very close to me that, that uh, don't believe this way. And it really bothers me. All I can do is pray for them. But anyway... Uh, turn away, avoid with her- of terror. Flip over a page or two to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, meaningly, meaning He's unmistakably clear, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Some shall depart from And this word depart means to distance yourself from very slowly. Some is going to depart from the faith. I keep this is the third time that since I've been teaching here that I've brought this concept up. I don't know why. But but this picture always comes to me as being led astray very slowly. You tell the person you're going in a certain direction, you have a certain uh, uh, destination, but you'll never get there. Because you're leading them away to a real cause and a real purpose. So that's what he's saying here. That, in, that some people, explicitly and unmistakably clear, there's going to be people that is going to wander away from the faith. It's going to happen. We're not talking about the big backsliding that everybody's thinking that's going to happen before the rapture. We're not, I'm not talking about that. But listen, we have to face it. You may know people that were, in fact, have been in this church maybe that have wandered away and slowly drifted and not even serving God now. That's what he's talking about here. And he says, giving heed. This word giving heed means to, means to give your attention to. It means to turn your eyes from one focus and shift it over to another. And that is how people get deceived. They get their eyes on the wrong thing. See, in a lot of times in, in churches today, people are being preached to in a manner and in a way to where they're, they're, being, giving, they're being given self-help talks instead of the Word of God. And, so, you know, I always said that if the self-help books worked, they'd go out of business. 
Why buy another one? If you buy one and it works, why buy it? But it's a huge business because you people don't know how to get free from their problems. And they're, they're trying to do what he said here in 2 Timothy. They're looking to their own self for their own answers, trying to figure it out. Now, I'm going to, as a pastor, we are going to have a, a course in, in this church about how to get along with each other and the DISC profile system, the DISC profile. We're going to give that. It's fun. Because you learn what really motivates you, what, you know, all this stuff. But you, you, it's, a lot of people don't realize that's not given to you as a picture to stay that way. It's given to you as a picture to go on. I, I, I did the uh, disc profile system. I've done it several times in my life. And, and each time I change. I get better at, at being, a who, being a who instead of a be. You know, I get tired. I get... I get to the place where that I can manage life and problems better because I'm growing in the Lord, see. So we're going to do that for you here. And it's going to be, we'll probably take a Saturday and have a lunch or something and, and test everybody. It, I think it costs, I think they cost now about 20 bucks a piece. But nevertheless, it's, it's really a cool way. I, I, uh, it, it helped our church tremendously for people to start walking in love toward one another because they recognize, oh yeah, he's a D. Just maybe to whet your appetite a little bit, a D is, is uh, I, use, I use the word drill instructor. <laughs> Somebody that just gives you the bottom line. It's not black. I mean, it's not gray. It's black or white. This is the way it's got to be. That's a D, personality. Uh, I tested out as an SC, a, com a combination. An S is someone, someone that if you, uh, if, and I'm sure once I describe this, you'll say, I know people like that, and you may be one as well. But an S, the first reaction that an S gives when someone comes to a, with him for a problem, oh, it's going to be okay. Just, just, just calm down, it's going to be okay. That's usually the first response that an S will give. A C, the C part of me, is one who likes to keep everything down, you know, in, in line upon line and very organized and, you know, present it that way. That's the C part of me. Uh, my, my daughter is an S-I. And an I is someone that cannot shut up. They talk all of the time. You can't, I mean to tell you, they talk. So anyway, it's fun uh, in that in that little profile system, we're gonna we'd like to to do for you. It's a, it's amazing. I'd like to tell you some more parts of that, but uh, I've swore <laughs> off from from doing that. Okay, let's get back to our study here. We're we're almost finished. He says here that uh, from such turn away, don't don't you know don't slowly distance yourself from the word of God. Listen, it takes time to be deceived, and it takes time to deceive. It, it, most people aren't deceived just right off the bat. Most people don't hear a message that denigrates the Scripture and dethrones Jesus and then automatically say, oh yeah, I believe that. No, they'll do it at, you know, over a period of time. But it's possible that somebody... I mean, I know, I know people who have left Jesus and joined Islam, totally rejected Him, raised all their life in the church. And totally married somebody and totally left it. I, I know people that way. And they will spend eternity in hell. Because when you reject Jesus, you're going to hell. I don't, you know, it's simple as that. Amen? Okay. Let's look at verse 6 now. For this sort, and the, the word sort here is talking about occult leaders. 
are they which creep into houses. I, when the first time I read this when I was a boy, I laughed. Creeped into houses and led captive silly women. <laughs> but the word creep into here is not really talking about somebody breaking into your window at night. This word here in, in uh, let's see, what I got it written down right here. Enduno. Enduno is the word for creep into. It's, I know English words was two words, but it's one word, enduno. And it really means to wear a set of clothes. It's talking about a disguise. They come in a disguise, and this is how the New Age movement, this is how the, the progressives of today, the occults and the cults, the occults and the cults, all function this way very stealthily. You remember what the word stealth is. It, you know, it's undetectable. It's when we, they, they built those planes back in the 70s, 80s, I think, where they were stealth bombers. They, they were undetectable by radar. And that's the way our enemy works. Stealthy. It's, it's interesting that when we're talking about the return of the Lord Jesus, when He comes as the thief in the night, the Holy Spirit brought this to my mind the other day when I was praying. He said, I'm going to come stealthily. I'll be undetected by the world, but you will detect me as a son. Amen? So, so that's what creeping into is they're coming in disguise. But let me tell you this, that this New Age movement and these, these, these tactics that people are using out there in the world today, it's the same old thing with different clothes on. It's the same deception, the same occult, different name. And, and, and I, it's amazing to me how people are led captive this word lead captive is a warfare word. It's a military word. And it literally means to take over completely. And he says, silly women. <laughs> silly women. He's not really talking about women that are silly. He's talking about women that are, that are subject to deception. And he's, those are the ones that he's leading captive. And it's interesting that that's how Satan first started here. Through a woman that was very easily swayed. Gullible. Gullible, yes. Very good word. Gullible women. <laughs> so, the New Age movement, and if you'll, if you'll notice, a lot, of the, a lot of the false teachers out in the world today, they're on television, on YouTube, are mostly women. And they'll follow them, boy. I mean, there, there's some flaky, flaky things out there that, that women are in there. And it's because they, they are trying to emerge in, on the scene of leadership. I mean, I don't watch the stupid show, but I hear it on the news a lot about The View. I call it The Few. And uh, I don't know whether to tell you why I call it The Few or not, but when I was a boy and I was at Ham Smith's, uh, Ham Smith was a guy that lived up above us old man, and he plowed with a mule all the time, you know, every, every spring he'd plow. And uh, when, he, when that mule got under a load, you would hear that expression out of the wrong end of the mule. <laughs> and Ham would look and said, that's because he had a lot of oats this morning. <laughs> a few. So that's the way I think when I hear the view, that's what I think of. Because I'm telling you, that kind of stuff spewing out of him, out of those ladies are just as rank because they're not there to build up anybody but to tear down you and I and our president. Pardon me for getting political today. So these are women trying to emerge, talk shows, magazines, etc. 
laden with sins means having no morals. Everything is okay. How do you, what business do you have telling me what to do with my body? I can murder my child if I want to. See, that, that kind of a thing. And notice what verse 7, how it starts off. Ever learning. Ever learning. And I thought it's so interesting that he's tying this in with what he just said about those silly women, gullible women, because this word ever learning is a word which would have a picture of a treadmill. You're really going somewhere, but then again, you're not going anywhere. See? So that's what that ever learning really means. They're on a trail. They're expending a lot of energy, but they're never going anywhere. And it says, never able to find the end of the rainbow. They're never going to find and discover what they're treading in this life about, you see. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And, and then he says, verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Withstood. If you have your notes there, you can write down when I ever type these up. Uh, I'll, I'll put that in there for you. But Exodus 7, verses 11, 12, and 22 and then Exodus 8 and 7 and 9 and 11 talks about those uh, people, Janus and Jambres, that were the magicians that worked those signs and wonders there. That's Exodus chapter 7, verses 11 and 12, and then verse 22. And you'll probably, if you have marginal renderings, it'll probably direct you to these others. But it's uh, Exodus 8, 7, and 9 and verse 11. Now, these were the sorcerers. It said that, he, that they withstood. In Acts 13 and 8, we have a sorcerer that withstood uh, uh, Paul. And, and the word withstand here, or withstood, is antistemi, which means to set oneself against. Now, let me, let me, I want to I really set this in, because if you don't understand anything else I've said tonight, this is the most important thing. And I, and I only say that, I wouldn't have said that even five years ago. But now, you have to realize, because of this analogy, and, and I didn't make this stuff up here, this is in the Bible, they withstood Moses with signs and wonders. Read it. But they couldn't outdo God. In fact, it, it ended up with a bunch of boils all over them because of the dust that God had Moses put on them. So they withstood them with signs and wonders. And that is what we're facing today. In some charismatic churches today, they literally have gold dusting going on. You ever heard of that? Anybody ever heard of that? Gold dusting. Where the people are getting coated with little fine particles of gold. And people are being gullible. They're, they're receiving that. Oh yeah, that's God. There's all kinds of flaky stuff. It's almost like when you venture in to being filled with the Holy Spirit and enter into your spiritual life with tongues and, and, and you know, really get it into, into the realm of the Spirit, that Satan takes advantage of that. And if you're not careful, he'll move you over into that thing. Like I was telling you about the oil that coming from that Hagen Bible. Filled up a big fish tank. And they're giving little vials of that oil away to people. And they use it, you know, to say, well, you know, we're supposed to anoint with oil. Yeah, but it didn't come from a Bible. So there's all kinds of signs and wonders out there. And it's going to increase in the last of the last days, which you and I have the uh, luxury, I guess, of being in. We are in the very last of the last days. 
And people, I'm telling you, it's, it's getting to the point where we cannot play, what they used to say, patty cake. We can't, we can't play patty cake anymore with God. We better get serious. Because we'll be, I mean, somebody comes, in, comes out there on the street and works a mind-boggling miracle right in front of your eyes, you're going to want to listen to everything they have to say. But, but if you know the Word, and that's, that's where next, le- next week's lesson comes in, but, but we need to realize that, that they withstood with signs and wonders, gold dusting. One friend of mine said, uh, acquaintance of mine, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say friend, that I think a lot of, it started happening in his church, the gold dusting. And finally, and he almost fell for it. In fact, there was a time when the angels started singing to him and would not shut up. They sang old-fashioned hymns constantly, 24 hours a day. They would sing to him. In fact, he went one time out into the... His sons lived in a garage apartment above his garage, and he thought they had the drums and all the musical instruments turned up loud, so he went up there to tell them to stop. He couldn't figure out why they was playing gospel. So he went up there to tell them to stop. And when we got up there, nobody was there. It was those angels. And so it got to where he couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat. It was ridiculous. And so he finally went to the Lord with it. And said, Father, what about this? And God told him it was fallen angels doing that. So he he played a trick on them. He said, okay, I've got a request. And he said, they stopped. I have a request. Do you know The Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash? And he said that the deepest voice he'd ever heard started out. How does that song start out? Love. Is a what? Burning, Burning thing. He said it was just beautiful. He said they chimed in. He said, that's it. You're not from God. I bind you. Get out of here. And they left and never bothered him again. Man lives in Tulsa that this happened to. So I'm just trying to, to make the emphasis today to don't go after everything that glitters. Oh, I know what he was going to say after, after I told that little story. When that gold dusting happened, he said... He said, I don't receive this. He said, because why would God dust somebody with gold and leave them in a wheelchair? Amen. Amen. So, like I said Sunday, if you carry some of this stuff to the extreme, you know, you can see how hokey and flaky it is. Amen. So, so we need to really get into the Word of God. And then let's skip down to uh, Verse 9, I'm going to say this about verse 9 because we're going to come back to 9 next week. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Janice and Jambres, by the way. And then verse 13, I want you to look at this. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. This word here is a double negative and it means to go to the extreme worst stage that you could possibly be in. He said they shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And I want to point this out. They are deceiving, but they are victims of their own deception because they're deceived as well. So... We can have some, some semblance of love and, and, and mercy for those kinds of people because they're deceived. Anybody that's deceived don't know it. 
If they know it, they're not deceived, are they? Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was. Adam voluntarily ate the fruit because of his wife. Eve literally ate him out of house and home. So, what to look for in the last days. The very last days, here's the 36 of them. Perilous, injurious times. That's the decades.